Oh, praise Beelzebub. What's the fucking crack? Hello, this is the Blind Boy Podcast. And before we begin, I'm going to read out a piece of short prose that was submitted by pop singer Jade Thurwall from the group Little Mix. On the 9th of May 2018, I placed a Fitbit on the neck of a heron. It was given to me by my cousin Dennis for my 27th birthday. It was given to me by my cousin Dennis for me to place on my wrist and monitor my health and fitness. But I chose to wrap the Fitbit around the neck of a heron. On the Fitbit app, I could monitor from a distance the heron's heartbeat. The heron frequented a collection of puddles behind my flat and lived atop a dead sycamore tree. The average heartbeat for a heron is 48 beats per minute. Most days, the heron's heart would beat between 44 and 50 beats per minute. But some days, its heart would beat as much as 60 beats per minute. On those days, I would feel energised and happy. But when the heron's heartbeat returned to a normal pace, I would feel sad and despondent on those days. So I began to startle the heron by fashioning a suit made from loud metal and some bells. I would parade around the back of my flats in the metal and bell suit, making a proud din, startling the heron until it screamed and I would feel joy and I would monitor its elevated heartbeat using the Fitbit app, elation and pleasure coursing its way through my bones, until the heron got so startled that it flew away. And this is why I don't have my Fitbit with me today. But I can show you the receipt for it. It's in my handbag. And you must replace it. You can either replace it, or I can speak to your manager. You have a choice. How would you like your day to go? Thank you, Jade Thurwall, from the group Little Mix, for that moving piece of prose. I've got an increasingly squeaky chair, lads. I've got a fucking swivel chair. And the level of creakiness is getting out of control. To the point that it's 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 going to give me a fucking back problem because when I'm recording this... I want it to be nice and calming, and then you have th- this sound. Wait for th- this is just me moving my spine an inch. Unacceptable. Like, listen to the state of that. This is just regular movement. And I don't know what the fuck to do because it's a swivel chair, so I don't own any screwdrivers. I thought I had a bottle of WD-40. I don't. So I'm going to have to remain static. I mean, I was I, I was even considering, I was going, is, is there any way that I can slowly use the creak of this chair to create some type of ship-type ambience? But it's not going to happen. It, I'm just going to have to remain incredibly fucking still. 
And I think it's one of those situations where I might just get a real fucking chair because, or, or a new chair. I flipped it on it on its back earlier on to try and fit because I'm not great at these things. I'm not great at, at putting things together or, or figuring out how things that exist in a three dimensional space are put together. So I I turned the chair on its back and was just left with a sense of confusion going, how the fuck is is this thing creaking? And it's not a bad chair. Do you know what I need to do? I need to buy a fucking chair. For years and years, I've only ever gotten office chairs by asking people I know who work in offices if they have any chairs in there that are going spare that they'd miss. And I'd say for the past fucking... As long as I've been in need of chairs, this is how I've acquired swivel chairs. I've never bought them. It's They've been donated. I've, I've rang someone up and we've gone into their office on a Saturday and they've said, there's a fucking chair inside in the utility closet or we're getting new chairs. And that's how I end up with these things. And I need to just cop the fuck onto myself and, and buy a chair. A nice fucking chair that doesn't... Because what's the point in having a studio with excellent sound quality and a good microphone if I've got a fucking chair like this getting in the way? Fuck that. So I'm going to be nice and still for the rest of the podcast and hopefully it won't interfere with your experience. The other thing too is we're just going to have to live with it. The other thing too is let's just say I wanted to alleviate the creak in this chair. It would mean me having to acquire WD-40. And the thing is with WD-40 now this, this is probably just me projecting but there's two reasons that somebody wants to buy a can of WD-40. Number one, they need it as an actual industrial lubricant to fix a creaky door or to fix a swivel chair. Or, the other reason people have WD-40 is if that person is working in a nightclub or a pub or is having a house party and they want to stop people taking cocaine. In pubs and nightclubs... They spray WD-40 on the toilet seat and on the cistern and also at house parties so that if a person decides that they want to do cocaine on the cistern, they can't. The thin layer of WD-40 grease, when someone puts cocaine on it, the cocaine congeals and renders it impassable up the human nostril. And this now is all I can think of when I th- I think of WD-40 when I see it. Again, it's probably... So if I go into a hardware store buying WD-40, I just have this paranoia that the person behind the counter is going to cast these aspersions on me. And it's probably because, I, because I'm so inefficient at DIY, I'm going to assume this. They're going to go, look at him. He's not fixing anything. I know by the look of him, he's not a DIY person. So I know what he wants to do with that fucking WD-40. And I just look like someone who's having a big... 
a, a big huge house party full of fucking Celtic Tiger bankers and Leinster rugby supporters who are just going to hover up half of Bolivia off the cistern of my toilet and I have to try and stop them by spraying a protective layer of WD-40 on my own jacks. I'll probably just get a new chair. I'll probably just buy a new swivel chair. So if you listen to last week's podcast, last week's podcast was a an ASMR podcast that I recorded in the Botanical Gardens in Sydney. And I got some lovely feedback off you for it. Um, you enjoyed it. I fucking enjoyed doing it. I'm back in Ireland now, obviously. Shattered from jet lag. Uh, jet lag's a cunt. Because I got a load of sleep on the plane. I actually, I did it right. I got sleep on the plane. I got sleep when I got back home. Kept myself hydrated. Did everything possible. But the thing with jet lag when you're coming from Australia. And it's complete other time zone. It's not about rest. It's about your brain. Thinking that you're in a different place. So no amount of sleep will get rid of it. So yeah I could sleep fucking 10 hours. And then as soon as 6pm hits. That's it. I want I want to go asleep. Because my brain thinks that I'm in fucking New Zealand or Sydney or whatever. So it's been a tough all week with that. But. In last week's podcast, I answered one or two of your questions. And I get a lot of DMs, I get a, I get a lot of messages from you, whether it be on Twitter or Instagram or Patreon. I'd say I guess, Jesus, nearly a hundred messages a day. And I try to read every single one of them and reply to as many as, as I possibly can. But sometimes I just can't. But a lot of people were asking me, Will you do another podcast where you're just answering the fucking questions? Or people saying, here, for fuck's sake, I've DM'd you now five times the past couple of months with this same question. Can you answer it? So I'm going to answer some questions this week because because you requested it. That's the nature of this podcast, lads. If ye are asking me for something, I will try and deliver it. And apologies if I haven't gotten back to you with a DM. Sometimes I'll open a fucking DM. And it can be from 2019 or 2018. And I'll respond. But it's mortifying to think that I've left someone on red for a year. But I do get around to them. So I'll begin with a lovely, a lovely simple question that I got asked. Jess asked. Why do people want what they can't have and when they have it they don't want it that's a really really fucking common thing we want what we don't have and then when you get it you don't want it a lot of people complain about this and it can cause us to be quite kind of unhappy and confused when it happens repeatedly and it can mean fucking anything. It can mean a thing. You could, you know, you could acquire an object. You could see a fucking, I don't know, a pair of shoes that you like in a shop and really want them. And then when you get them, you're only happy for a little bit and then you're sad. And then you're sad and you don't want the shoes anymore. Or it can happen a lot with moving to a new place. 
someone can set their mind on moving to London. Then they get to London, they don't fucking like it, they don't want to be there anymore. People can do it with relationships. They can pine after another person. They can fancy the fuck out of another human being. And then finally ask them on a date and they say yes and then they're gone out with them. And they're left feeling empty and disappointed and not wanting to be with the person anymore. And it's a common thing with being a human being. And I don't really have a fucking answer but I can give you a a theory around it. I I think that happens when we confuse the thing we want for happiness. So what you want is happiness. It's It's not a set of shoes that you want or it's not moving to London that you want or it's not a new girlfriend or a new boyfriend that you want it's it's an internal feeling of happiness that you're seeking and then our brains confuse this object with happiness but we're not aware of it but obviously external things can't bring fucking happiness a pair of shoes isn't going to bring happiness nor is a new girlfriend nor is moving to London it might bring momentary joy or it might change your circumstances slightly but it's not going to bring lasting happiness so we're then ultimately disappointed because what we have is we've it, I suppose it comes down to a lack of emotional awareness if you're emotionally unaware if you're not aware of your emotions you're going to confuse objects with happiness so when you think you want to move to London or get a new fucking girlfriend it's 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 what you're searching for is that content feeling of happiness and then you're just not going to get it you're not going to get it you're going to be left disappointed and then the disappointment is going to feel like you've been defeated and you'll end up sadder than you were when you wanted that thing in the first place and all I can say is there's no such thing as achieving happiness. It doesn't exist. It it simply doesn't. You, there's no such thing as I will be happy when it that doesn't exist. You can say I will be pleased when, or you can say I will I will experience joy when, or it will be good when. These are all real things. If if you get the shoes that you want, or if you get the partner that you want, or if you move to the place you want to go, these are good things. You will experience a fleeting moment of happiness. But you can't bring actual happiness. Actual happiness isn't the destination point. It's not a goal. That doesn't fucking exist. That's one of the tragedies of the human condition. We have ourselves utterly convinced that you can achieve happiness and you can't. Happiness has to be a present moment type of thing. It has to be... Do you know what? You can't have happiness. You, you can have meaning. You have to strive for meaning in the present moment. That's about it. Meaning in the present moment.
what is meaning mindfully engaging with something that's authentic to who you truly are and that's a tough one to find but if if you're if you're engaging with something and this is congruent with your true values and who you truly are then you will attain a sense of meaning and you can even attain meaning with something with experiences that aren't even pleasant like being stressed out and busy on something that you on something that matters to you right even though being stressed out and busy isn't fun it's not pleasurable if you're stressed out and busy about something that truly matters to who you are then that's meaningful but if it's something whereby you're not getting that it doesn't matter to you or it's something that you think matters to you like I don't know if you're in a fucking career but the career you're in is because of something your parents wanted you to do then there's not a lot of meaning in the stress that comes from that job but if it's a a job that is congruent to your own personal values then that stress is meaningful I don't know that's the best I can say what the fuck do I know Martin says please talk about your journey learning about the aboriginal people of Australia their history their ongoing culture their connection to the land colonialism and ongoing issues and your Irish perspective empathy on the issue I got goosebumps when you did the acknowledgement of country in Melbourne on Monday it's really powerful that you did that thank you Martin um Firstly, what Martin is talking about there, I did a thing called Acknowledgement the Country. So if you if you listen to the podcast two weeks back, where I was speaking to your man who was researching the psychedelics, one of the guests asked about, I suppose, a ritual called Welcome to Country or Acknowledgement the Country, which is something you do in Australia, where if you have an event... You either invite an indigenous Australian person that's from, we'll say, the ancestral tribe of the area that you're in and and they welcome people that are there and remind them that this is their ancestral lands. Or if if you're not an indigenous Australian person, you say welcome, no, you acknowledge the lands that you're on. You acknowledge that you're on, you acknowledge the, the people who are the ancestral owners of the land, the specific, I don't know if tribe is the right word, the nation maybe, and you just remind everybody, this isn't fucking white Australian European land, lads. And that's what you do at an, at an event. Um, I spoke to, I interviewed some indigenous Australian people while I was in Australia, and I will be releasing that podcast and that's what I'd prefer to do rather than me talking about indigenous Australian issues because I just, I was, I was, what the fuck do I know? One thing I will say is I was utterly shocked. I was shocked. The level of, of subjugation that indigenous Australian people have suffered is 
pretty fucking mind blowing when you learn about it and when you when you hear about it. And it's not really spoken about globally. It's not really spoken about that much inside Australia, to be honest. It's pretty fucked up. It's pretty fucked up, lads. Um, let's just put it this way. I, I'll To make it brief, because I do want to put out that podcast where I spoke to Indigenous people. Indigenous Australian people were considered, legally considered animals up until the mid-60s, if not early 70s in Australia, I believe. As in, they were considered a species within flora and fauna. So they were legally considered animals. And this is the fucking 1960s, okay? So that's insanity to have a group of people to be considered fucking animals. Indigenous Australian people up well up into maybe the fucking 1980s were taken from their families as children and this I believe was done by Catholic uh, missionaries uh, with the help of the Australian government so probably kind of Magdalene laundry shit indigenous kids were, were literally taken from their families at birth and given to white Australian families to be raised like that's deeply fucked up so those are two huge issues historically. Then there's a massive issues right now of, of police brutality against Indigenous Australians. There's massive issues with deaths in custody. There's over-representation in prison. Everything you can imagine that goes disgustingly wrong with a, a, a people who are have everything stripped from them under colonialism, the worst of it seems to be happening with Aboriginal Australians. It's if if you even if you even say the word Indigenous Australian in a room full of white people in Australia, everyone goes fucking quiet. Because it's so fucking there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of fucking pain. There's a lot of pain and a lot of reparations need to be done. So I'll be putting out that podcast. Rose asks, do you have advice for other frustrated and fucked up creatives who lack confidence for whatever reason? What was it for you to truly believe in yourself to the extent that you do, given your previous battle with anxiety? And I think what Rose is referring to there is is can if if you're a creative person, if you want to create art, whatever the fuck it is, writing, painting, music, what what in me gave me the confidence to do it? Um, a huge thing for me when I find myself um, lacking in confidence, a huge thing for me is to identify other artists who who are doing something that's truly, truly inspirational. And you, you tend... What I mean by that is it's important to find artists who, whatever it is they're doing, 
seems somewhat achievable. So, and, and I, what what I mean by achievable is that if the artist if the artist's way of self expression is quite close to what you would do creatively, so for me, if I'm feeling fucking if if I'm not able to create something, or I'm feeling lacking confidence and I want to bring myself back up and say to myself do you know what you can do this I'd read I'd read Flann O'Brien because do you know what it is you, you fucking you, engage with art that gives you that feeling that you're trying to chase when you create art and for me for writing it's Flann O'Brien I read Flann O'Brien and the way that he'll beautifully used really ridiculous and surreal um, ideas to turn into stories and, and novels and I read Flan and it, it, it recalibrates me it connects me back with the little thing in myself that makes me want to create um, for fucking podcasts I don't know I might listen to I like listening to What's his name? Bill Burr. If I'm coming up to a Wednesday and I'm going, fuck, what's the podcast going to be about? I listen to Bill Burr. Bill Burr will just literally turn on the fucking microphone and talk and does a great job of it. So I listen to someone like Bill Burr. Find art that you truly, truly love. Find the artist that connects you with who you are creatively. Like, I'm not, like, I fucking adore David Bowie. I fucking love the music of David Bowie. But if I want to create music, I'm not going to go listen to Bowie. Because Bowie's so good, it scares the living fuck out of me. It's terrifying. I need to find a a musical artist who's much closer to something that I would see as being closer to my own style. So musically, I'd listen to Bill Callahan or Smog. Bill Bill Callahan stuff. His lyrics, I love his lyrics, and when I listen to Bill Callahan's lyrics, it makes me want to write lyrics. If I listen to fucking David Bowie or Bob Dylan, I'm just going to freak myself out. So that's all I can say. Find the artist that makes you recalibrate with who you are creatively. And the only way to sort out confidence, you have to truly, truly eradicate the fear of failure. It's not lack of confidence, it's terror around failing because of what personal definition you have for failure so if failing at art to you means the worst thing in the world or it means that you're going to feel bad about yourself then you have to work on that and the simplest way to do that think of something you do where you don't give a shit if you're good or bad at it cooking a dinner is a great example I always use cooking a dinner I cook myself a dinner every single fucking day I generally do a good job at it, but sometimes I might fuck it up. Might put in too much salt or I might burn it. Alright? When that happens, I'm appropriately disappointed. But I don't feel bad about it. I don't self-flagellate. I don't think that I'm less of a person if I put too much salt into my soup. But if I'm not careful and I sit down to write a short story and it doesn't go how I want it to be, if I'm not self-aware... I might spend the rest of the week thinking that I'm a shit person and that 
my creativity was just a fluke and now it's gone. Completely irrational stance. So don't search for confidence. Instead of instead of looking for confidence, assess the rules and beliefs that you have around failure in art. Okay? Time for this week's Ocarina Pause. Before I do it, just going to quickly list out some contractually obligated gigs, some live podcasts in 2020 that I would like you to attend. Um, Glasgow's sold out, London is sold out, Liverpool and Birmingham, right? There's a few tickets left there. Fucking Drahada. I'm in Drahada. On the 21st of March. In the TLT concert hall. Um, what else have we got here? Monaghan. I'm in Monaghan on Saturday the 28th of April. No, March. Fuck it, when am I in Drada? Yeah, March. Cork Opera House. Dublin Vicar Street. 1st, 2nd and 3rd of April. They're almost sold out. Only a few tickets left for them. Limerick, Wednesday the f- 22nd of April. Oh, my head's up my arse here. That's about it, lads. Did I miss anything important there? Gigs coming up in Barcelona and Madrid, if you want to come along to them. They're in a couple of months, that'll be good crack. And not confirmed yet, but I'm currently finalising my Canadian tour. Which will be in a few months. Canada, I'm coming back, right? Here is the Ocarina pause where a digital advert will be inserted. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I've got so many different fucking ocarinas and I, I just pang. I pang for that first one, the first ever ocarina that I lost. And I've been given, I'd say, 16 ocarinas since. And I just, I can't get that sound, the first one. Alas. This podcast is supported by you, the listener, via the Patreon page, let's. Patreon.com forward slash the blind boy podcast. If you like listening to the podcast, if you're listening every week, consider becoming a patron. That's what pays my wages. That's what makes the podcast a weekly thing. You can't. And if you can't afford it, you don't have to. 
if you can't afford it, you're paying for the person who can't afford it. It's a model based on kindness and soundness. And it works fucking brilliantly. And it gives me huge faith in humanity. Share the podcast. Like it. Give it a review. Okay, what other burning questions have I got? Um, because I've been I've been a I've been a naughty boy. I haven't done a question answering podcast in a while, and usually what happens, I end up answering maybe one or two questions. So this week I'm consciously trying to burn through the questions and give short, concise answers for several varied questions. Please talk about the election and what's happening in Ireland. There's obviously a bit of uncertainty, and it'd be great to hear your point of view. Okay, I'm going to try and do this very briefly. As you all know at this point, I'm a fucking leftist Marxist cuck. Alright? I am very left-wing in my leanings. I believe in... Socialism, social democracy, that's what I'm about. That's a frightening word for a lot of people. A lot of people have have the, the wrong idea. Ultimately, what do I want? I want to live in a country whereby nobody, right, nobody has to do without housing, education or health care because they can't afford it. I want to live in that country. I want my income to be taxed so that my taxes pay for a person who can't afford it to have housing, health care and education because I consider these things to be human rights that's that's my belief that's what I want I want that country why do I want that? because I've watched it slip away over my lifetime um, because like I, I didn't grow up poor I was privileged enough to not grow up in poverty in Limerick, when Limerick is is a poor city, but like both my parents worked, you know, my dad worked in an airport, my ma packed shelves and duns, and they had a mortgage, but I didn't grow up with money either. So that meant that I had access to, to means tested assistance. So while I was ne- I was never I was privileged enough to never have to worry about going hungry or going cold but I had asthma so the asthma was paid for with a medical card it was paid for with taxes when I wanted to go to college my parents couldn't afford to send me to college means tested grant taxes paid for me to go to college so two huge things about where I am right now the fact that my health was looked after because I had asthma and the fact that I received a, a college education, I went to art college, was paid for by taxes. So I was given that opportunity. And even now, I can see that disappearing. I can see it being stripped away. The fact that I, I essentially went to college for free under a means-tested grant... That's that's way harder nowadays to get. And fees have gone up. Fees are fucking huge for college now. So that means that 
we're getting to a stage in Ireland that if you can't afford it, you're not going to fucking college, which is disgraceful. So right now in Ireland, we saw with a recent election where a huge amount of people really pushed towards a left-leaning government. They seem to want a left-leaning government, which means a government that will try to provide housing, healthcare and education to people who need it. Because the problem we have in Ireland at the moment is stuff is shifting towards privatisation. I'm just going to briefly tell you some shit that's happening right now in Ireland that I consider to be deeply wrong and that should be changed. We have a homeless crisis in Ireland and we have a housing crisis in Ireland, okay? Which means that people, families who are homeless and living on the streets, right? If they are fortunate enough to access services that will allow them to get shelter, right? Instead of them being able to get a home, like a house, like a council house that's built, or affordable housing, instead of that, we have a situation in Ireland that's known as emergency accommodation. And what's emergency accommodation? Basically, instead of the government providing people in need of a home with a home, they put them into a hotel room for a long period of time. Now, a hotel room isn't a home because a hotel room is just a couple of beds and a sink and a toilet. So you now have all these families in Ireland living in hotel rooms. But here's the problem. Who pays? Like, a hotel's expensive. Hotel is like 160 quid a night. The hotels aren't given discounts, so who's paying for it? Well, our taxes are paying hotels to be in full occupancy. So it's like pissing money away on fucking hotel rooms instead of providing families with an actual humane, dignified solution. So that's one thing in Ireland that's pretty fucking evil and wrong. And what that is right there, and this is one of the... When people are are scared of the word socialism, we have socialism in Ireland, but it's it's socialism for rich people. Okay, so right there, tax money, right, tax from your wages or from when you fucking buy something, that tax is being spent on a private company, a hotel. So that right there is socialism, but for rich people at the expense and misery of the poor. Direct provision, which is a system in Ireland whereby people who are asylum seekers or refugees, instead of being offered humane, dignified solutions are essentially kept in a type of prison for up to 20 years where they're not allowed to work and they are ke- everything's provided for them. They're very low quality food, poor, uh, their clothes are washed, they're not given any money and they're, they're kept in prison for the crime of being a refugee. There's a lot of money being made in direct provision. Private companies run direct provision centres. Private companies cater direct provision centres. So these private interests are profiting. Like, I, I can't remember the exact figure, but, but direct provision centres are turning over a profit. So in Ireland right now, the current government and the government beforehand, they've figured out a way 
to take the most disenfranchised and vulnerable people in the country, right? They've figured out a way to, to turn their misery into a product and to milk this so that private corporations can profit from it and the profit comes from our taxes. So that is something right now in Ireland that's deeply wrong and immoral and a lot of people I think would like changed. So people, 24% of the population, there was three options, right? Fianna Gael, who were kind of centre-leaning right, Fianna Fáil, who are centre-leaning right, and then you had Sinn Féin, who are left-leaning. 24% of the population voted for Sinn Féin, which was more than Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. And it's basically, it's seen as a lot of people now are kind of like, we want to have a go at a left-wing type of thing. We want our taxes to be used in a compassionate, humane way to offer people actual dignified solutions based on their humanity and not milking their misery for private interests. And whenever you hear that, just think of it, it's socialism for rich people. That's what it is. So let's instead make it socialism for people that are actually fucking needy. Whether Sinn Féin are able to do that, I don't know. They've made a lot of promises. Alright. Um, but right now I don't know what the fucking situation is. It's all up in the air. I don't know that that answer the fucking... It's it's very complex. It's very complex. How can I fucking... How can I answer it? They're, they're just two examples of something deeply fucked up and wrong. And I kind of just wanted to explain to people. That's what's happening. That, that, that's how fucked up the policies are in this country. On, on the homeless crisis. Instead of giving people homes, they've created a situation whereby people can profit from people being in perpetual homelessness. When you're in emergency accommodation, you are in perpetual homelessness. There's no solution. You're in a hotel every single night and the hotel is profiting from, and our taxes are paying for it. And what's the danger of a situation like that? You end up developing a very powerful lobby who now don't want things to change because they're making money from it. In America, prisons are private. Like, look at how fucked up America is. They have prisons that corporations run. Therefore, there's corporations who want stronger sentences, who want people in prison longer because they can make money from it. Very fucked up, and that needs to end. How does it end? I don't know. I'm not a politician. But the solution needs to be compassionate and dignified. And it needs to respect the fact that people are human beings. Um, Shane asks, when is the Devon Townsend interview going to be released in any format? So, there is a very, very famous heavy metal musician called Devon Townsend. From the Devon Townsend project and also a band called Strapping Young Lad and me and Devin sat down in Vancouver a couple of months ago and had a chat for the live podcast but as I told you at the time what happened was I'd just gotten my recorder and I was trying to figure a few things out 
it only recorded one side of the audio. So it just recorded my voice. And then Devin's voice is kind of in the distance. And I tried my best to EQ it and fix it. But the quality of the recording it just isn't good enough to put out. So the thing is, myself and Devin, we stay in contact via email. And, and we've been chatting for years and years. So I reckon when I'm back in Vancouver, I'll, I'll probably be meeting Devin for a coffee anyway, just to say hello. And I'll ask him again. I'll just bring my microphone to lapel mics, do it properly, and we have another chat. I reckon he'd be up for it because the last time that me and Devin met and sat down and talked, it was it was at a coffee shop. It was outside. And it was one of those conversations whereby for both of us, it was like it was just a, a cathartic, fun conversation. It wasn't an interview. It wasn't effort. It was two people who love creativity and art and mental health talking to each other and it didn't feel like an interview and for me and Devin I don't think it fucking mattered whether it recorded or not it di- it didn't really matter so I reckon if, if he's available and I'm back in Vancouver I'll meet up with him and we'll do it again properly similarly like Brian Cross who I had on the podcast a few weeks or a couple of months ago when I was in Los Angeles like that was a fucking lovely conversation I loved it Aside from the fact that I had a few too many fucking cans and when I, I had too many cans and I got very excited and I was a little bit interrupty and I disappointed at that but I'd say I'll chat with Brian Cross again too and I'll record that conversation. Philip asks, can you talk about how to deal with a particularly difficult breakup? That's a tough one and it has many, many different permutations which depends on the age that you are. You know, it depends on the length of the relationship that you had. It depends on, you know, what is difficult. Um, Like, difficult could mean that there's a fucking house involved, there's property. That's a big question. With many, many answers. What I can say is. This is more. I suppose this is more for fucking younger listeners. People in their. In their early 20s. Not necessarily no. What I would say is one thing to be mindful of. With a fucking breakup. Is to have emotional intelligence. Around your own pain. And sometimes. Sometimes when people break up. When you experience loss and rejection, that the easiest way to deal with the sense of loss and rejection is to go to a very safe emotion like anger. Okay? Loss and rejection are very tough emotions. They require self-reflection. To get rejected by another person, for another person to say, I don't want to be with you anymore, that's a lot for us to take on board. That's a huge amount. You have to assess a lot of things about yourself. And and because of the weight and complexity of dealing with 
this person who I love doesn't love me and doesn't want me anymore. Rather than face that complexity, we can bypass that complexity and go straight instead to reactionary anger. So, and, and a lot of people do that. And the problem with that is, is, is when you go to the safety of reactionary anger, when what you're actually experiencing is a, a rejection, you, you end up then just saying things to hurt the other person. And when, when it's a person you, you really care about, that, that's the easiest person to hurt. So you might insult them. You might... All the little vulnerabilities and weaknesses that you shared with each other while you were together, because when you're together with someone in a fucking relationship the boundaries between you blur and you end up sharing uh, very private and emotional vulnerable things about yourself with that person when you feel rejected and the rejection turns to anger because anger is an easier emotion to experience it's a very focused emotion that you don't draw upon the vulnerabilities that you learned about that person and then use it against them as a weapon because all that does is it hurts the other person, it hurts you, it puts a greater distance between your anger and your sense of processing your rejection. Another thing I suppose is don't allow a relationship to define your own sense of identity. This one again, it might be a bit more relevant to people under the age of 25 I suppose, but... When you're under 25, you're still searching for who you are. You, st- you still don't, you've a, you kind of have an idea about who you are. But when you're under 25, most people are generally still searching for who that person is. So when you find yourself in a relationship with someone, and it's your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever, and you fall fucking madly in love, you don't have... A strong enough sense of who you are to maintain who you are within that relationship and instead both your identities become melded into this relationship and that means then when the relationship breaks apart you don't know who the fuck you are you're left with this huge sense of you can't cope with the loss you can't deal with the loss of this other person but the gravity of that is most likely not that you can't deal with be- with this person not being around. It's that you've lost connection with self. So that's something to be mindful of. An adult mature relationship is whereby two fucking adults who have a solid sense of self are capable of joining an emotional union with another person. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. person while still being grounded in who they are 
I mean, the classic kind of telltale signs is that, you know, if you get into a fucking relationship with someone, do you start to take on all their interests? Do you start to change your own interests to suit that person? Is your personality different? Are you no longer hanging around with your friends group, with your friend group? Are major facets of who you are changing because you're now in a relationship? That's a sign of a kind of emotionally unhealthy lack of a sense of identity and that can be quite fucking dangerous. It's also prime territory for manipulation and abuse. If one person does have a solid sense of self and another person doesn't, you know, I don't know, what the fuck? That's a big question. All I can talk about there is the emotional things. If it's something where there's a fucking mortgage involved. Different scenario. Quick question here from Josh. Why was your show in Auckland so expensive? Auckland and New Zealand. Simple answer for that one. Going to Australia and taking a tour manager with me. And then all the internal flights, a a, a tour of New Zealand and Australia costs between 15 and 20 grand to do for most acts. So it's just one of the issues with fucking Australia, lads. Australia is a far away place to get. As soon as any act starts getting on planes and to be able to do their fucking show... It starts getting expensive. So that's one of the shitty things about doing fucking Australia is... Or anything abroad, the price of tickets just go up in order to be able to do it. One last question, because we're coming up to the one hour mark. Um, Blind by what are your views on Scottish independence? I think the people of Scotland were fucking shafted in the last election. I think... The people of Scotland, in general, would like to be fully independent from Britain, okay? But Scotland had an independence referendum in 2015, which was very, very narrowly beaten. And I think it was unfair because a lot of scare tactics were used by Britain against Scotland... And the main scare tactic that was used in 2015 was, okay, Scotland, ye want full independence from Britain, okay, but if you become independent, Scotland, then you will no longer be in the European Union and you will then have to reapply to be in the European Union. And that could create a bunch of fucking problems. That you could be on a long waiting list. You could be several years where you're not in the European Union at all. You'd just be this country. You'd just be a country called Scotland. And you'd be in no union. What about that? And I think a lot of, not a lot of people, but a margin of people in Scotland said, fuck it, that's scary. I'd love to be free from the Brits, but I'd hate to not be in the European Union for several years because that would cause a recession in Scotland. I think I'm going to vote to stay. And then what does Britain do? Britain votes to leave the European fucking Union. And Scotland didn't vote to leave the European Union. Scotland voted to stay in the European Union. But 
London, England, voted to leave the fucking EU. And I think Scotland were shafted. I, w I would not like to be a Scottish person. I'll put it that way. I mean, what are my views on Scottish independence? Obviously, 100%, I'm fucking Irish. Anything that has to do with the dismantling of the British Empire, I am all for. Fuck that. Um, but I suppose for democracy, you have to respect the vote. But, like I said, I think they were shafted. I think they were shafted. Stay because of the EU and then fucking London decides that, or not London, but England decides that Scotland now has to leave the fucking EU. And now Scotland isn't in the fucking EU. Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to leave you go. I, I had a hot take for this week. I had a hot take. But I didn't do it because, number one, a lot of people were saying, please just do a fucking questions podcast. Uh, so I was honouring that. And also, I just want a little bit more time with the hot take. It's it's a podcast I've been researching. And my head's kind of been up my arse this week due to jet lag. So I'll see you next week. God bless you all. <laughs>